0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Startup Operators Weekly Roundup. My name is Gunjan Saha and Roshan, the host of the Startup Operator podcast, and I will take you from the greatest news from the previous week in the startup ecosystem. Now, we're, just, we're already done with six months of 2021, and the months have been just whizzing by, right? And you won't believe it, but we've already crossed $10 billion of, uh, worth of funding in 2021 already. And uh, considering the pace we are seeing in the space with the likes of Tiger Global, I think most probably before the year ends, it will have more than doubled. And we have a lot of interesting news uh, to share this week for you guys. But Roshan, would, anything interesting from the week you noticed?
1: Yeah, more than a few things uh, that were interesting. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're all doing well and taking care of yourselves. So I think there was quite a lot of chatter about the talent crunch and, and stuff, right? I, I think that's a, a, it's a very important thing. And I think more than a few tweets that I saw alluding to the same thing. I remember uh, Ashish Dave putting out something of that sort, right? I mean, founders are not just uh, fighting for funding and whatnot, but they're also fighting for talent, right? And uh, look, it it just comes down to competing harder for talent, right? And I've said this before that, you know, you have to sort of showcase your work in a way that people really want to do that kind of stuff right and you have to be inspiring you you have to treat your job description forms and whatnot as landing pages literally right and uh, really monitor the funnel right because it's just going to get harder there's a lot of money out there there's a lot of interesting startups out there so how will you corner the best of the best talent right and uh, long-term you will definitely have to develop some of this talent in-house it's i think gone are the days when you can just cherry pick who you want from the market and then you know fit them into your organization right so that is uh long gone in fact i mean i was talking to a friend of mine Pradeep, yesterday and he was telling me how they have hired more than 100 people over the last year right and um A lot of this talent is put through the grind in terms of, you know, proper training, onboarding, coaching and stuff like that. Right. And uh, that's also another reason why people join startups, right? Because startups typically, you know, what people do is uh, they just throw them at the deep end and hope that they will figure things out for themselves. Right. It's a very sink or swim approach, but I don't think that is going to work. Right. I think we need to formalize a lot of onboarding training processes and make sure that, you know, the people actually... Uh, Join you because, I mean, you will upgrade the skills and whatnot. So, so for sure. Do check out the episode we did with Murali Vivekanandan of Ideas to IT, right? He spoke a fair bit about this. And, you know, from the, from the candidate perspective, right? It it might seem like uh, you'll get a raise or you'll get a higher salary every, every six months or seven months, but guys, I mean, don't price yourself out, out of the market. I'm telling you there's no value in you know thinking short term right uh, and and this is just from my experience of having been through this for about thirteen years or so, right? Market peaks at certain times, play the long game, find a team that's worth working for, find an idea that's worth working on right and commit to the long term when I say long term, I'm at least a three or four or five year journey right at these places because the the amount of learning that you have will just compound right rather than building half an app uh, in one place and three fourth of an app in another place and not seeing the full cycle of problems that you will have right seriously so you know don't play this uh, game of like shifting startups every every seven months or eight months or one year right Stick around in a place, learn from that place and and cause real impact, man. I mean, that's that's really what you guys are here for, right? I mean, obviously you're smart and obviously you'll earn plenty of money in your career. And a career is, you know, 30, 40 years worth of work, right? I mean, it's of course, you'll have a second and a third chapter and everything, but don't play the one-year game, really, right? That's my only advice I would say. But yeah, plenty of other positive news also happening, you know. I mean, uh, I was pleasantly surprised that Manipur has not been uh, connected to the railway network even uh, even on, uh, until late, right? And uh, last wow. week we heard that it was finally connected to the railway network, right? So pretty big deal. And of course, I mean, we have the Zomato IPO coming up uh, this week as well. Uh, we've spoken plenty about, uh, you know, Zomato and contrasting opinions in terms of, you know, one side saying that order value has gone up significantly. I think it was gone up from some 260 rupees to around 400 rupees. And the other side saying that they're still making significant losses and interesting times ahead, for sure. It's going to be a good week ahead as well.
0: Right. And also uh, to the point you made about, you know, playing the long game. I mean, the folks who had been since the early days of Zomato grow Urban company, right? I mean, playing the long game will surely paying out dividends, right? In terms of this company. Yeah, it's going not public. just the...
1: See, it's not just the monetary aspect of things, right? See, what you have to realize is that you will have to tell a story. I was uh, a person X at uh, Zomato who did Y in the timeframe of let's say three years or something of that sort, right? The more compelling that story, the better your chances of like, you know, finding that next gig, which could be more meaningful, right? Rather than saying that, you know, yeah, I was there for about seven, eight months and did some interesting work, right? I mean, what the hell kind of story is that, right? Uh, So not just from a skills and learning perspective and a maturity perspective, but even from a storytelling perspective also, right? You really have to have it in the long term because the really difficult problems take time to get solved, right? I mean, uh, that's just reality, irrespective of where you're working.
0: So, yeah, I think uh, over the past rounders, we have been seeing how check sizes are only growing larger and larger in size, right? And, uh, last week we saw a half a billion dollar fundraise by Ola, right? And the, by the parent company called ANI technologies. So recently they announced that Temasek and, uh, Plumwood investment limited, which is an affiliate of, uh, Warburg Pincus, along with Ola's founder, Bhavish Agarwal, they invested $500 million in the company, right? And, uh, this comes right ahead of its IPO, right? And I think they're aiming a size of 93.75 billion rupees now. You know the pandemic has been tough on the company, being a rideshare platform which did not need the lockdown imposed to at all, right? Almost ninety five percent of their business had come to an entire screeching halt, right? And not only that, of thirty five percent of their workforce were also laid off. But you know the post recovery has been really strong, and there is a increasingly shift in preference from public transportation, right? And uh, companies like Ola is perfectly positioned to capitalize on the mobility needs of the customers. Now, although the IPO date has not been announced, but, you know, massive uh, work has been going on right across the verticals of Ola. But I want to see from like know from your perspective, what do you think is the future going to be for for a company like Ola?
1: By some estimates, I think 70% of the demand is back on ride sharing itself, right? So I was looking at a few numbers and apparently there were 78 million rides clocked in March. Right, and that was sixty-nine uh, percent of what was recorded in the pre-pandemic uh, month. Right, so see, Ola is a very fundamental disruption. Right, it's going to stay. I mean, we're not going to go back to the times of uh, booking uh, taxis and cabs by calling, uh, uh, you know, people off the directory. Right, we're never going to go back to that point. And you know, last-mile transport in India is a huge challenge. Public infrastructure, public uh, transportation, is yet to catch up. So the business as such, right, is fundamentally solid. I mean, it's it's going to be around for forever. I mean, the genie is out of the bottle. There's no going back, right? And soon as demand is back, I mean, uh, you will see them back to doing the kind of business that they were doing, right? And I think with the round itself, uh, they're probably getting a 30, 35% discount on uh, the valuation that uh, was there in 2019, right? So which is, a, uh, I think they were valued at about five or six billion dollars at that time if i remember correctly so which is also the reason why i mean a lot of these investors have tried to you know uh, get more stake and it's very uh, inspiring to see that Babish himself has you know uh, put in a lot of money uh, it reinforces a further commitment to the vision right and uh, look ola is uh, i mean it's a fantastic company man i mean if you think about it it was founded almost right out of college i would say right mm-hmm. and the way it's matured over the last uh eight ten years has been fantastic uh, we've spoken about Ola Electric. Again, it's going to be another fundamental disruption. So, yeah, I mean, very, very interesting times ahead for uh, Ola, right? So, let's see. By the way, did you catch the pre-launch campaign that, uh, you know, Bavish <laughs> did for Ola, Ola Electric?
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. No, And uh, it's very similar to how Zomato is also doing their, you know, food July campaign, right? Like leaking yeah. emails. It's pre- pretty uh, cool and quirky ways of marketing.
1: Yeah, very interesting marketing campaigns, I should say.
0: So talk about interesting, right? another really interesting piece of news we have for early stage startups, Chirate Sonic aims to accelerate and democratize the fundraising process for founders and, you know, ensure that they have easy access to capital. Right? What, what they recently announced is that they'll offer a 48-hour turnaround on seed fund requests and pitches for investments that are less than or equal to $500,000. Now, this has never happened in the Indian ecosystem, and it's, it's the first of its kind. So we have been speaking to a lot of VC investors, right, in the podcast, and we are seeing that capital is getting highly commoditized, and the only differentiator between fund fund houses is the network and the expertise that they're able to offer, right? But if you look at Chirate's portfolio, they have companies like Bizongo, Curefit, First Bounce, NestAway, even Flipkart was one of their uh, portfolio companies, but... You know as we try to accelerate this early stage investments and seed funding how do you see this move impact the indian ecosystem in the long run
1: i think play simple was also one of their uh, portfolio companies if i'm not mistaken right play simple got a huge exit uh, just i think last week we covered that uh, 350 yeah. 400 million dollars i think and they had raised just about i think only one round right four million dollars that they had raised so look i think chirate has formalized something that you know people were already kind of getting in tune with right because if you look at the guys who were writing the series a checks or just the pre series a checks man they've been sweating right because the game has changed clearly right i mean you have uh, tire global which is writing series a checks right now you have uh, the likes of sequoia which is running the search surge, uh, surge accelerator right and you you've seen the kind of work that Axel is doing so the game has completely changed, right? I mean, a lot of people are cornering this uh, their talent and the cap table very early on in the journey itself, right? So a lot of the big guys. So at the early stage, I don't think people really have a a, a choice in the matter, really, right? I think uh, uh, if you look at Tiger, I mean, they're they're probably doing one deal a day, right? That's the run rate, uh, and at the crazy check sizes that they're writing, right, tens of millions of dollars. So I, I gone other day when gone other days when you can take weeks. Uh, If not months for due diligence and things to that effect right i mean you follow any vc on twitter that's what they're talking about there's a lot of optionality for founders for good founders i would say right and money has become commoditized at the early stages for sure right so so these are things that uh, you know early stage investors will have to do to really stay relevant Uh, i've recommended this article called play different games by everett randall of the founders fund right a very nicely written article and uh it, it talks about you know how tiger just flipped the game right and how the others have to have to play their game now right there's there's no going back and uh, yeah chirate is one of the one of the oldest i would say homegrown uh indian vcs right and uh, they have some pretty interesting uh bunch of uh startups that they're working with as well you mentioned a few of them so yeah it should be interesting for sure good good yeah, for founders i would say
0: yeah absolutely and it's not only vcs that you know uh, being the competition in the early stage space, space right? Recently, Flipkart announced yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. their uh, own accelerator program, Flipkart Leap. And I think just a couple of days back, they announced their first cohort as well. And they're targeting no, retail and... tech, robotics, agri-tech and so on.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you're going to have a lot of these uh, super angels, these uh, one-man uh, VC fund types, right? Micro-VCs, all of these guys, right? Coming in because, I mean, there's going to be, because of all of these ESOP buybacks and whatnot that have happened, right? We saw Farm EC announce an ESOP buyback we saw zero the announce of esop uh, buyback etc there's a lot of cash uh, that's going to come into the operator types as well right the vp cxo folks at some of these companies and they're going to uh, put a you know significant chunk into startups as well so the whole 500k check size 1 million k check size is going to get uh you know fairly competitive right so these are things that you know venture funds uh, at the early stage will have to do anyway right so Chirate has just formalized that
0: right So over the past uh, few rounds, we have been talking about how, you know, smartphone penetration has been increasing in India, right? And it's not only in India, we're seeing similar trends towards Southeast Asia and riding this uh, trend has been Pine Labs, right? They recently closed a $600 million fundraising round with some of the world's largest investors, right? They include a fidelity management and research company and BlackRock. And I think very soon they'll be uh, targeting an IPO in the US markets, right? With this fundraise, the valuation has gone up to $3 billion and uh, to, and very recently I learned how the business model works. So banks and merchants, right? They pay a monthly fees for using Pine Lab software and uh, they also receive a micro fee on every transaction, right? So considering that, like I said, the consider the trend of smartphone penetration, right? Everyone, even the smallest of small merchants want to go digital and compete with the likes of the brands in Amazon. Or uh, you know, Alibaba, where the payment process are very seamless, right? So how do you see this story uh, panning out? By
1: the way, do you know when Pine Labs was founded?
0: I think it was quite some time back though, 2008 or something.
1: Mm-hmm. No man, that's what you'll be surprised to know. They were founded in 1998, right? Oh, wow. So <laughs> it's a 23-year-old uh, company, and uh, of course, I mean, they pivoted uh, a couple of times, right? I mean, they started off, I think, in the petroleum retail automation sort of a a space and, uh, and then I think in 2004 or something, they entered uh, payments and services, right? I mean, financing services and so on and so forth. So yeah, look, payments is such a fundamental disruption, right? I mean, it's the tip of the fear is the front end for every particular industry, whether it's retail or automobiles or whatever it is, right? I mean, uh, it's such a fundamental thing, right? and if you look at how payment penetration itself has grown over the last 10 years especially in india right i mean due to the due to aadhaar due to upi due to demonetization and whatever phenomenal kind of growth right into this whole cashless economy that we're living in and uh, the other need the more fundamental need that they are solving for some of these merchants is that Look, I mean, my customers come in and go out. I have no idea whether they'll come back. I have no idea who they are. I have no idea what I need to do to get them back, right? Now there is zero relationship for all of these, like whether it's kirana stores or whether it's like all these small uh, outlets and whatnot, right? And and that is a very fundamental problem that Pine Labs is solving. This is a problem that people would talk about ten years back. They're still talking about that right now, right? And uh, if you look at Pine Labs itself, I think they offer a variety of services uh, aside from just payment transactions, right? So so they, they have they offer credit they have...
0: services as well, right now.
1: Correct, so they offer credit and financing, they have working capital loans, they have loyalty as well. Loyalty, I think they they, they acquired this company called Quicksilver sometime back, right? right. And uh, they have loyalty as well. So it's not just payments, they have like bunch of services associated with it, right? And, um, you know, people call it India's Square, right? And Square, of course, has a 100 billion plus uh, market cap. But I, I would kind of, uh, you know, say that, you know, Pine Labs has a greater potential. You know, if you look at uh, the market dynamics of India, and some of the Southeast Asian uh, countries, right? It's very similar, right? And and, uh, Pine Labs has sort of expanded into these uh, regions, right? Whether it's Malaysia or even Middle East, for example, I think Dubai as well, they're there. Their payments terminal has an integration with more than two dozen banks, right? And which is again, a non-trivial thing, right? I mean, it creates so much more frictionless experience for the merchants itself. They don't really have to move uh, to a different bank or whatever. And these integrations are not, Trivial, you know, I mean, uh, uh, so they've been able to strike these partnerships uh, with a wide variety of banks and also, you know, supplemented with the technology integrations as well. Right. So, yeah, uh, this is, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic business and it's a mammoth size of a business, right? I mean, payments is fundamental to everything. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be cross industry, then the world is your oyster, right? I mean, uh, that really is it. But Also, I mean, a word of praise and admiration to the executive team. I think Amrish Rao, who's the CEO, joined the company in about 2020. He's uh, a veteran, right? He's been with PayU and Citrus before, entrepreneur and executive types. And we talk a lot about the zero to one journey on the podcast. The one billion plus journey is no less daunting. In fact, I mean, I think it would be even more uh, challenging in some respects, right? So fantastic team, fantastic opportunity. And uh, I mean, very, very interesting times ahead for sure.
0: And also got me thinking, right? I mean, almost two decades of existence, right? And today it is the name it is. Yeah. But if you look at payments as the space itself, it's a very cutthroat competition, right? I mean, yeah. if you think of a new company entering the space already crowded and there's not much innovation that you can bring about in this space, right? Because no, there's the a lot rate- of
1: innovation. It's just no, no. There's a lot of innovation. It's just on the on the outside of it, right? See, I, the the payment aspect of it, the transaction itself, enabling the transaction itself is just the tip of the sphere, right? It's what you do around it, right? And how you can be relevant is uh, is a greater challenge, and that's what everyone is trying to do, right? Whether it's fine Labs or Pay or Instamojo or whoever else, right? I mean, everyone is trying to enable all of those things, uh, but uh, you know, payments itself, right? I mean, I, I'm telling you, it's not such a, I mean, it might seem like a lot of people are trying to solve the same thing. And of course, you know, transaction fees are, is a dog dogfight and it's going down to zero or whatever. But that itself is, is a very, very hard problem to solve technically, right? I mean, even with all of the developments that we've had, yeah, we take it for granted because it works, right? But yeah, it's, it's quite tough. And also think about the risk, man. I mean, payment fails, you know, the consumer is going to be pissed with you, or the merchant is going to be pissed with you. And think of the scale as well. The processing perhaps, you know, tens of billions of transactions, right? right. So, and imagine
0: yeah. your server goes on just for a couple of seconds, the amount of losses your uh, yeah, customers will have. So, uh, okay. You've made a point about staying relevant for customers, right? And, uh, I think Tiger global is almost being relevant for us every roundup. Recently, they led a $144 million investment for deal share at a post money valuation of 455 million. Uh, Westbridge Capital, Alpha Wave Incubation, and Z3 Partners also took part in this round. Now, you know, Dealshare has a really unique position in the social commerce space, right? It's a discovery-led social sharing, group buying, and a gamified shopping experience. And these three things are really relevant when the entire country was in a lockdown. And uh, just within two years, Dealshare has serviced over three million consumers and over twenty million dollars their target by the end of the year is to hit a gmv run rate of 1 billion you no know, and so of course not trivial so what do you make of the whole social commerce scene in india
1: it's very very interesting man uh i think we we spoke about this earlier when they raised a uh, round and you know we compared i, I think we also spoke about me which raised about 300 million right so this whole group buying phenomena is uh has existed for a while right uh and All of this is a trend away from the Amazon sort of e-commerce that where Amazon or Flipkart kind of e-commerce that all of us are familiar with, right? So this trend will only accelerate and deal share is focused on tier two cities and towns. uh, And they have very essential items like, you know, sugar or oil or toothbrush type of stuff, right? And they're uh, discounting at a... You know, significant number, right? I mean, 20, 30% kind of discount. And uh, yeah, I mean, apparently their order value is something like 1000, 1200 rupees, right? Which is which is pretty significant if you ask me, right? We, we spoke about Zomato's order value being around 400 right now, and that's increased from 260. So yeah, a lot of uh, margins to play with, I would say, right? On that front. Social commerce itself, right? I mean, you have... Misho, which is trying to enable these micro entrepreneurs to sell their products, and then you have Dealshare, which is group buying and discount buying as such. Then you have uh, the likes of OLX and Quicker, which is like you know buy and sell used goods sort of a thing. Uh, then you have uh, you know the Instagram and the Facebook type of like you know d 2 c phenomena that we're that we're seeing. Uh, then you have a lot of all these WhatsApp commerce sort of innovation that's happening, right? So there's a whole world outside of the Amazon and Flipkarts uh, that we usually talk about. And, uh, you know, given the size of India's market, domestic market, and all of this is only going to increase and all of this is going to only get more interesting in the time to come. So, yeah, super stuff.
0: All right. So next we have uh, Spinny, which is a pre-owned cars platform. Recently, there is $103.3 million in a new funding round. And this too was led by Tiger Global. But it's very interesting to note that just a couple of months back in April, they had closed a Series C fundraise. And with with this, the six-year-old company has raised over $220 million from the likes of General Catalyst, Think Investments, Mm -hmm. the Fundamentum Partnership, Axel Partners, and Elevation Capital. So what Spinit does is, right, it eliminates all layers of, you know, intermediaries and dealers to provide the uh, the right price for your car. And... You know, we covered the funding of cars 24, right, which had, you know, entered the unicorn club last year, investors are really seeing a lot of potential in this, uh, used car space. Right. I mean, uh, Yuri Milner's DST global and other investors are also planning to, you know, invest $250 million in cars 24 at a valuation of 2 billion. Right. So you, any, what do you think will be the key takeaways from here in the coming months,
1: by the way, I'll give you another trivia, right? So. Cars24, Car Deco, and spinning. All of them are based in the same same area. They're all based in Gurugram. So, yeah. Wait, what there, do you think
0: that is, though?
1: No idea. I think they're, I don't know. I guess generally, I mean, they're better at buying and selling cars in Gurugram. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> So that was interesting. I thought, right? So yeah. So Spinney uh, says they are more buyer focused than seller focused, right? And I and I see their uh, I see their service as kind of a true value plus this whole online marketplace sort of a, a model. True values, of course, Maruti's is uh, you know what is that uh, used car uh, purchase vehicle, right? I mean, uh, basically uh, brand, basically. So, Spinny says it sources its cars from dealers, individual suppliers, uh, and even some of these uh, platforms like Cardeco and whatnot, right? Reconditions them and then uh, facilitates the sale, right? So the average selling price for, of a car on uh, Spinny, they say, is around four to five lakhs, uh, which is double that of the rivals. Um, yeah, so. Th- it's a very big space, I would say. Right? We saw that you know, I mean, demand has suppressed uh, quite a few, right? I mean, quite, by quite a quite a bit. I mean, in the pandemic as well as such, not a lot of people are buying cars as such. But uh, you know, once uh, demand returns, I think you know, these are businesses that's going to take off anyway. They're doing some healthy revenues. Uh, but this valuation is again crazy, right? Thirty times the revenue is what I heard, right? But uh, mm-hmm. Maybe, I mean, they're considering the gross merchandise value, right? The GMV and doing some kind of uh, uh, valuation on that who knows right? So, Mm -hmm. but, but basically look, look a four to five lakh sort of a transaction means that it opens it up to all kinds of uh, uh, things you can do on the margin, right? I mean, you can, for instance, I mean, I think they can, they can very easily tie up with a few, other service providers, they can, they can tie with insurance companies to start offering insurance. They can do post-sale service, the accessories, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's because a, a full ton of things. Stack company. Yeah, exactly. See, if someone's spending four or five lakhs, right? They, they won't mind spending another 20 or 30K for some of the other stuff, right? So, which is where the whole margin is as well, when you're facilitating that. So, you can very easily add to your uh, uh, margins by, you know, uh, giving those two or three other services uh, that I mentioned, right? So, Interesting stuff,
0: and I had no clue they
1: existed. You know, I mean, that's what I uh, (laughs) I, was—I was saying before we started. Also, the the number of uh, startups that are raising hundred million rounds that I had no idea about that that even existed is just amazing. Every week I discover something new.
0: I couldn't agree more. But uh, personally, you know what I'm looking for—looking for companies like Tesla and all to you know set up the base in India and the car subscription model starts. Wherein, like every month, you can, you know, just subscribe to a car, and the end of the month, return it and get a brand new car. So yeah, Mm. definitely exciting times ahead. (laughs) All right. So what? Let's see what Vembu sir had tweeted recently. Uh, In his latest tweet, he said, "I tend to get starting trouble or writer's block when I try to get any project started. One way I overcome this is to throw out the idea of perfection and start doing something very basic or mundane. Basic is better than nothing." Nothing offers nothing to improve upon. Do you, have you had any experiences where you actually felt this or like you actually experienced yeah, I, mean, I see
1: this, uh, I see this every day, you know, done is better than perfect. So yeah, ship something out very, very, it always happens when I'm writing stuff, right? So the first version of anything that I write, I really hate, but then I just put it on paper so that, you know, I have something to work on top of, you know, rather than because nothing is more daunting than a blank page. And I think that holds for anything that you do you know, having something to build upon is always better than having nothing. So whatever endeavor that you are undertaking, I mean, just take baby steps and uh, build upon it, basically. Keep moving.
0: Right. Hopefully, this will be the mantra for the uh, week ahead. Yep. All right. So we are almost at the end of the roundup. So Roshan, you are going to have a conversation with Adit Puddha, who is the founding founding partner at Gemba Capital. Right. And you'll also be talking to Sankit Shah, who is the founder and CEO of InVideo. What are these conversations going to be based around?
1: So I've spoken to both Aditya and Sanket uh, a while back. Uh, You know, we'll be publishing these episodes this week and both of these conversations were really memorable i would say we've spoken a lot about early stage uh, financing and how that's being disrupted right so adit and i spoke about this whole you know super angel micro vc sort of phenomena that's happening adit has invested in some really interesting companies like plum which uh, you know we had abhishek and saurabh on the podcast some time back invested in airmeet and a bunch of others Right, And he spoke about, you know, what is the reality of financing at the early stage, you know, how should fund, uh, founders look at uh, some of the stuff that's happening and made a lot of sense on uh, industry trends itself. Fascinating episode, one hour conversation, very, very insightful. And Sanket is, uh, you know, Sanket is a... Is, has been a founder for 10 years now so he started various ventures right i think he started two or three ventures and so he has a very mature outlook to everything you know whether it's building product or looking at product market fit and so on and so forth in is a very interesting product i mean they're, they're building a, a tool that makes it very simple for people to you know create videos right and some of the stuff they're they're doing on browsers which is unimaginable stuff right so we have a producer Thiru on the call Right, and Thiru will tell you how difficult it is and how much memory it, uh, you know, it consumes, how much RAM it consumes to edit right. these videos and to be able to do this on the browser is again a very, very difficult thing technically. And they're creating this uh, tool, which is again, you know, B2C SaaS, which I'm really excited about, right? So wonderful episode on a bunch of things related to building creator tools. So do check out uh, both these episodes, fantastic insights in there for you guys.
0: All right. So with that, I think we have come to the close of this week's roundup. Thanks Roshan for taking us to the news from the previous week. And a huge shout out to all our listeners for always chiming in with their thoughts and, you know, sharing their honest feedback with us, which is helping us improve. As Rosh and Meshad, do check out our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And yeah, we always love hearing from you on how you like the episodes, what we can do better. Hit us up on LinkedIn or Twitter. And uh, until then, we'll see you again next week, same time.
1: See you guys. Take care.